you know, lately I've been having more conversations uh, with my wife, CJ, just making sure that she knows where everything is if I were to die tomorrow. Making sure that she knows where the life insurance is, paperwork, bills, certain accounts. And I, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I've always been prepared for that, but now it's been more in my heart. I think it's because we're going over Ecclesiastes. I've been studying quite a bit of the Psalms, and we know that we're here for just a short time. And I want to be sure that I depart this earth, then my wife and my family are still being taken care of. And with that in mind, what I've been doing is I've been thinking that if God permits for me when I'm on my deathbed, if I'm surrounded by my family, especially my wife and my two beautiful boys, I've been thinking, what would I tell them? What would be the last things that I would want to be remembered by? And I've narrowed it down to three things, and I'm not kidding. It's been going over in my head. And this is what I would tell. I'd look at my boys, and I'd say, love Jesus. Love Jesus the way I hope that I demonstrated you how I love Jesus. And then I tell them, love your wives. Love them the way that I hope I've shown you how I've loved your mom. And then I'd say, now pay close attention. This is the most important thing, boys. Share the gospel. Share the gospel on how you live and what you say the way that I hope I was able to show you how to share the gospel. And I tell them this would be the most important thing because if you do that, all the other things would follow. They'd fall into place. And I would tell them also because I'd be assured that I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I know that they know also. So one day, even though it would be a sad moment, one day I know we'd be together forever. But I'd make sure that they'd be a vessel to share the gospel so others can be with us forever. Have you thought of that? Have you ever stopped for a while and said, what would be the most important thing I want to be remembered by? My finances? My success? Think about it. Because life on this earth is very short. Today, as we conclude our series on Ecclesiastes, we're going to look at the very last words that the preacher, King Solomon, has to tell you and me. And after writing this journal that I believe is his journal of life, he's going to narrow it down and say, this is the most important thing above all else. Everything I've told you boils down to this. So we got your Bibles with you. Please open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, grab one underneath the chair. Again, I encourage you to bring your Bible so you can underline, highlight, take notes. We are going to have the verses on the screen behind me. So he's going to conclude this part of his journal by first of all, as we're going to notice, he's going to start describing himself, who he is and what he did in preparing the literature that he wrote. And he begins like this, verse 9, chapter 12, Ecclesiastes, he says, besides being wise, besides having wisdom given by God, the preacher, again, he's talking about himself, also taught the people knowledge. What is he saying? He says, I didn't grab all this wisdom that God gave me to hold for myself. I shared it. 
And he's going to go on and tell us three specific ways he did that. Also taught the people knowledge by weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. Solomon saying, all this wisdom that I was given, that I've been imparting to you, giving to you, I did this in three specific ways. I weighed them. I evaluated them. I made sure that there was true wisdom. I made sure that it was godly wisdom. He says, I studied them. I examined them very carefully. And he put them in certain order. And he did all these things with great care. You know, as I was preparing for the sermon this morning, I thought, you know what? That's what preachers need to do. They need to make sure that they read God's word carefully. Let me say one thing here, here Grace Bible Church, my church family. We take God's word very seriously. We don't want to wake up one morning saying, what are we going to preach today? Hmm, No. We study it, we examine it, and we make sure that what we teach is God's truth. I don't know about any other church. All I know is this church, and all I'll ever know is this church. But I know some other churches, some other pastors that I see on Facebook, that it's all this goody-goody stuff so far from the truth that it's unbelievable. Here at Grace Bible Church, we have always and will always teach the truth very carefully. He goes on talking more about how he prepares and how he prepared the, the sayings and the writings that he wrote. Verse 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. He spoke the truth carefully eloquently he spoke the truth in love and that's what we're called to do to speak the truth in love he's going to go on and mention this in verse 11 the words of the wise are two things like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings they are given by one shepherd he's saying these words of truth that i've been giving to you are like two things. There are like goads. What are goads? Goads is like this little tool that shepherds use to put the sheep back in place. When the sheep is not moving or is going in the wrong direction, they get this tool and they poke them. And finally they start to move in the right direction. And he says they're like nails firmly planted on the ground. A shepherd would put up his tent and with nails would firmly put it on the ground for shelter. But let's not miss what he says. Again, look at me at verse, with me at verse 11. The words of the wise are like goats and like nails, firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. You know who that one shepherd is, guys? God. God's words are truth and the only truth. And in the same manner, God's word, when you hear it, Sometimes it hurts because it's the truth. And so this one good shepherd, God, will poke us when we're going the wrong direction, when we're not moving, and he will poke us with the truth. And sometimes because we're sheep, cabezones, he'll poke us harder and harder and harder. But hear me, church, he does it because he loves you. 
He disciplines those he loves, is what the author of Hebrew tells us. So that's what God's word does. It penetrates our hearts and transforms us out of love. He's going to go on now in verse 12, and he says this, and I love the way he addresses us. He says, my son, my son, my daughter, beware of anything beyond these. He's saying, look out, warning light. Don't go anywhere else except for godly wisdom, except what is found here in God's word. Stay focused on it. Do not add anything to it. Do not subtract anything from it. In the same manner, we read this that Moses writes in Deuteronomy 12, 32. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. He continues, of making many books, there is no end. And much study is awareness of the flesh. You can go out there and look for all these so-called wisdom, truth, books, and teachings, and you'll never find an end to them. But what Solomon is telling us is saying this, if you go out and do that, all you're going to end up is exhausted. You're just going to be tired. This is the truth and the only truth. This is the only godly wisdom we have. And it's not necessary to look anywhere else. And now he's going to come to his conclusion. Verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Here's my final conclusion. Listen closely. This is what I want to be remembered by. If anything else, remember these words is what Solomon's saying. Fear God and keep his commandments. Two simple but difficult things to do. He says, above all else, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. This is all we need to do, all we have to do. I love the way one commentary puts it. He puts it this way. To fear God is to take God seriously. To acknowledge him in our lives as the highest good. To revere him. To honor and worship him. To make him the center of our lives. This is what Solomon says. After I've lived my life, this is it. Fear God and obey his commandments. Obey his words. Now you, we need to obey him not out of, out, of, out of obligation but out of love. And Jesus says the same thing. He says this in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We obey because we love. Now he's going to tell us why. Why this is so important. Why it boils down to these two things. Verse 14. Because for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's why. I want to make two very important observations here in this last verse. Now remember, Solomon is writing this before the cross. Old Testament. His audience back then are Israelite, the Jewish people, under God's law. And what is he saying? He's saying, remember, remember what God tells us, tells us, remember the law. If we obey him, we will be blessed. And if we disobey him, we will be cursed. We're under the covenant. 
of God. So he's saying, remember how you live your life because be careful because you're going to be judged how you live. Before Christ, Solomon didn't have the full revelation of Jesus Christ. But here's a second observation that we really need to take note of. Post the cross, believers, his church, under the New Testament, every single human being on this earth will be judged. There will be a day where we're going to come before our maker and we will be judged. The New Testament is full of what is called judgment day. And Jesus talks about this many occasions, but in Matthew 12, 36, listen what he says. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. We're all going to be judged, church. Here's my sermon point. I will be judged by my response. Every single one of us is going to be judged by our response. Our response to the gospel. Our response to the good news. I'm reminded of a story we hear in uh, the gospel of John. I think a lot of us are familiar with this story. Jesus finished feeding Thousands of people. He gets on this boat and he takes off. And then his apostles get on another boat and they take off. But the apostles come into a storm and it's getting really bad and they're freaking out. And then we read, and this is what John says, that Jesus is just walking on water, chilling, right? And the apostles are yelling out to Jesus and Jesus says, hey, what's up? They don't say that. But he's just walking by. And the apostle, come on, get on the boat with me. He gets on the boat and the storm calms. And it says, John says, immediately they're on the other side. They get to the other side and all the crowds are waiting for Jesus. Jesus, where were you? We've been looking all over the place for you. And Jesus says, you were looking for me, not for who I am. It's because I fed you the other day. And here's how he responds. He says this. John 6, 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. And the crowd responds, okay, what, what do we need to do? Verse 28, what must we do to have this eternal life that you speak about? To be doing the works of God. Jesus answered them, this is the work. This is what you need to do. You want to know what you need to do? This is it. This is the work of God. That you believe in him who has sent me. You know what you need to do? Believe in me, Jesus says. That's it. So it all depends on our response. Let me ask you. What is your response? How will you be judged? How have you responded to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? There's two people we read in the Bible on how their response was. One of them 
And I love the way one pastor put it, the story after the thief goes up into heaven. And so the, the thief goes into heaven. The thief that was right across, crucified from Jesus Christ. He goes into heaven and you have the angels asking themselves, what this guy, what is he doing here? So they ask him, what's up, man? How, how did you get here? Were you baptized? And the thief is like, I, I don't know what that is. I get it. You went to confession, right? And your sins were forgiven. You must have had communion. What verses did you memorize? How many times did you go to church? How are you here? And the thief probably responded to the angel saying, I don't know, but this is what I know. I was being crucified. Rightfully so, because I deserve to be on the cross. But I looked across from me and I saw this innocent man who shouldn't have been there, suffering, barely being able to breathe. But with his last words, he says, Forgive him, forgive him, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. And I was just amazed. People were mocking at this man. And then this guard, the centurion, this Roman soldier said, he is the son of God. And I heard those words and I believed. So I looked at this man being crucified next to me. And all I said was, please, please remember me when you go into paradise. And this man said, today, today you will be in paradise. And that's why I'm here. Is that your response to the gospel? Or is your response to the gospel of another man that we read? A rich young ruler who comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? What must I do? What work must be done? And Jesus says, you know the law. You know your Bible. Well, I've done everything. I've done every single commandment perfectly. Not once have I messed up on my commandments. And Jesus says, well, then go. Sell all your stuff and follow me. And he couldn't do it. Why? Because he was trying to work for his salvation. And that is not the gospel. Church, if your response is trying to marry your salvation, if your response based on our religion to be able to go to heaven and spend eternity with the Father, you are wrong. What is your response? See, there's two responses we want to we wanna hear or we're going to hear. If your response to the gospel is like the thief, then one day you're going to hear the words, that everyone wants to hear, and we see him in Matthew. He's Savior. Jesus is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into my kingdom. Because you believed. You believed in me. You believed that I died on the cross, that I rose again on the third day. And that was sufficient for the forgiveness of your sins. You responded right to the gospel. But if your response... It's like the rich young ruler who believes they could be good enough, that they can work enough to get into heaven. Then Jesus' response is going to be like the ones we read in Matthew 7.21. Harsh words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, the one who believes in me on that day... 
Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? I read the Bible. I did all this religious stuff. I, I, I sold my money. I did this. I, 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 I. And then Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If you're thinking you can merit your salvation, if your response to the gospel is saying, I can do it, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. But Jesus, I, I went to church. I raised my hands in worship. I called you Lord, Lord, Lord. I never knew you. Jesus is going to say, you were too busy trying to impress me. And all I wanted was a relationship, not a religion. That's the response to the gospel. It's a relationship. And that's why Solomon says what he says. Fear God and obey his commandments. Not an obligation. But when you realize what Jesus did for you and for me, you're going to want to obey him out of love. Because he took the punishment that you and I deserve. Let's be a church. Let's be a community that does respond to the gospel in the correct manner and believes and shares this good news to everyone who will hear. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God who is loving, a God who is merciful, but let's not forget that you are also a just God who didn't just turn a blind eye to sin. But you loved us so much that you gave your son for us to take the punishment for sin. Father, I know because I was one of them. There's so many people who think that religion, the do's and the don'ts, the obligations is a way to get to you. Until I realized that it's all about a relationship. It's all about a change of a heart. Father, I pray that we are a church that demonstrates that relationship with others. That demonstrates the love that you've given us. And Father, more importantly, I pray that anyone here or watching on TV has not understood or has not responded to the gospel in the right way. Move in their hearts. Open up their minds and their ears so they can respond and so that we all can hear those words we all want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church.